You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 46 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts, and joining me today, I have not a panel, but a guest, but a superb guest. I'm joined by Mark Pauly from Twin Lakes Images. Hi, Mark. Hi, Bart. How are you? Thanks for having me back. It's been so long. It feels great to be back on the show. Well, well the show's got a bit weird uh, since since you used to be one of our regular panel members, because I've sort of decided I didn't. I didn't really know what format worked, so I'm trying them all. Like, so we've done some shows with just me talking, we've done some interview shows, we've done some panel shows. I'm still experimenting around, and I have no idea what the what the show is going to settle on. And maybe the show is going to settle on being unsettled, and I'm just going to do whatever it takes my fancy every month. And well, maybe that's, the, that's for the better, maybe. I think the variety is a good thing. I think you do have at least one thing settled. I, and I heard uh, Allison mention it recently, the idea that uh, the theme more is about photography and we don't necessarily – you don't necessarily get uh, down and deep about which application is better or which piece of equipment is better or something. It's just general topics about uh, – photography or motivation or how you know how to shoot certain subjects and i think that's that that is your theme just how you approach it is a little bit different week to week i think you're probably right actually because the one thing i've been sure about since i started this podcast that i wanted it to be about the art and craft of photography and not yet another gear show because mm-hmm. i mean gear is fun and all and we all love talking gear but the internet has sufficient of of that and so I, that, that was the one thing i knew when i started the show i didn't want it to be that i guess well, that, we're all we're all shooting with different things we shouldn't be excluding people or saying that you need to have a big fancy camera or something right and it, it's it's actually interesting what you can do without big fancy stuff because I, I do a calendar for the family every year and this year a quarter of the photographs are from my iphone and i haven't told anyone which and no one can figure it out Right. <laughs> so the QED, you know, it really, really doesn't matter. Right. Um, now, the reason I asked you to be on as my guest is I've... I, um, I say, how much of the kimono do I want to open here? Um, hmm. Well, okay. The things in the in the Bouchard's family are such that my photography needs to stop costing me money. Right. Because there's, well, there's no money for it. It, it can't. It just, it can't cost me money. Um, and it's, it's not that I want to make money from it. I just need it to stop costing me money, which means I need to figure out a small amount of income to offset the, you know, I mean, it's not like photography costs me thousands of dollars a month. So, so, you know, we're not looking at, at big stuff, but I do feel I need to start making my photographs contribute in some way to the household income at least contribute as much as you know the gear and the software actually software that's this the killer cost really isn't it right especially if you're on some subscription somewhere yeah yeah and i am on a subscription like i talked about in the last show and i i I do find it good value for money but at the same time you know i'd like to sell maybe you know a few a few canvas prints a year or something and that's all it would take to to cover the um subscription to adobe lightroom i mean it would just be a case of selling a few canvases right um exactly so you know we're not talking about selling five thousand prints or something 
And the, the reason I've had you on is because for quite a few years now, you have been successful in getting people to give you money in exchange for your very beautiful photographic work. I have. And I'd quite like to learn from you. Okay. I would I would like to share and and sort of going, you know, going with uh, your motivation in a- asking the question, I'll sort of set some context for my answering the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, we aren't talking about uh, tons of money here uh, over the over the years that I've been doing this, you know, it's it's barely scratches the surface, barely covers the probably what I've spent on um on software or or the supplies that I would need to make up prints and stuff. Certainly I'm not uh, paying my bills, you know, or other extraordinary bills with it. Um, Your motivation is to try to make sure and cover your costs. Um, That certainly was there for me. And as we'll describe a little bit, it also um, serves as somehow serves as motivation or, or inspiration for me when I'm shooting. So we're not talking about you know, tons and tons of money here. We're talking about um, some fairly regular outlets to sell things and and make a few dollars here and there. Yeah, and I mean, when I'm thinking of the economics here, I'm assuming that my time is worth zero. All right, and that was that was the other point I was gonna. I, I straight off, you're, I'm pretty much covering the cost of a lot of the the uh, heart the. Uh, materials and things, but I don't even want to consider what my hours out in the field or hours sitting in front of the computer cost me. Yeah, so as far as I'm concerned, that's something I do for the love. And so when I'm talking about covering my costs, I do not mean covering what my time is worth because, right. no, that's the whole fun of this, right? It's, it's <laughs> exactly. The craft of photography. Exactly. So, you know, and I'm sure, you know, if you're looking at it from a small business point of view, of course you can't ignore your time. But this isn't about a small business point of view. This this is just about being able to, you know, keep the cameras going, keep the supplies up, keep the software ticking over to where I want it to be and not have to worry about finding the money for it. Having it just tick over by itself, have it be something that my photography is something I put time and love and into and I get pleasure back from. But it's not a financial burden. That that's all I want. Yep. Sounds good. And and I can help. Yay. Or at least I can share what I've done. Well, I suppose for a bit of context, I have so far managed to sell a few pictures over the years. So I've managed to sell a few canvases at art exhibitions. And I've had once or twice I've had people contact me going, I would really like a poster print of that photo and I have made it so. But I think in total I can count the photographs I've sold on a pair of hands. I think it's about six. <laughs> right. So it's not, not nothing. It, I'm not laughing because it's small. I'm just laughing the way you said it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's not nothing, right? And it, it has sort yeah. of got me to the point of actually, there are people who do value a nice image and are prepared to to pay for it. So I, I need to somehow make me and them meet. Right. So for me, uh, it kind of started by accident. Um, I was, uh, and, and I've told this story now on 
this show and other shows, so I'll try not to totally belabor it. But well, no, because start, it, it's, yeah, it's going to yeah. have been a while, right? So don't don't yeah, don't feel in any way afraid. Somebody, or somebody new is listening, but it, it sort of started by accident. Um, we vacation in Eastern Washington, which is a really beautiful part of the. Uh, Washington State. We're right on a lake. It's very rural, very wooded, uh, just a very picturesque area. And I would get up really early in the morning while everybody else was sleeping, and I'd go out and I'd shoot images of the lake and the woods and things like that. And and luckily, I have an eye for that, and a lot of the images turned out very nice. And don't remember exactly who saw it. Uh, somebody that that lives there and, uh, you know, frequents a couple of the, uh, there's a couple little resorts right on the lake said, man, you should make, uh, postcards of those. Those are just beautiful. And sort of light bulb went on and, and I researched very hard trying to find a, a place online that would print small, small runs of, uh, postcards. It's really hard to find. Uh, generally speaking, they want to run, they want to do really big runs for it to be economical. You know, if you think about it, if you, if you're, if you're the wholesaler and you want to go somewhere and they, you know, let's say they want to sell the postcard for, I don't know, 75 cents a piece. How cheap do you have to get it produced before you make any, you know, before there's any margin for you. So, so that was kind of the problem, but I did find a company that, that, uh, I think they did 25 or 50 run, um, and, and at a price where I thought I could make a few pennies, not a lot. Um, and I, and I ran and I printed some for a test and went to the two resorts and both resorts were really receptive and bought a, you know, fair amount of them. And again, it, you know, $50 or something worth of postcards or something like that. It was, you know, wasn't a big number. Um, but that was sort of the first, um, first bite of, of me going, Oh, look at that. I, somebody will actually give me money for pictures. So then I, and, and so, so that site that was, that was prepared to print small batches, are they still up and running? Are they, are they someone you they still s- use? They still are. And shoot, wouldn't you know it? I researched all the things that I thought you were going to ask me. Um, I'll come back to it. I'll find. Yeah, it no, we'll pop it in the show notes at let's just talk that I. Um, so I'll, I'll just make a note to myself to get that link off you later, because um, that sounds particularly interesting. Because my style of photography, I tend to be fascinated by historical things, so that's postcard friendly. Right, and and I knew you were going to ask me for all that kind of information, and then that was the one I forgot to look up. But I will. I while we're while we're chatting, I'll I'll find that. And, uh, but uh, so from there, I also did tried to do some little bit bigger prints and and mount them and sell one of the shot. One of the resorts has um, you know more of a gift shop area, so I did some bigger prints. Those weren't as successful, but a few of them sold. So I sort of just branched out from there, right. and. And that led to the bug of back getting back home in Western Washington, saying, "Hey, I this is kind of fun showing my work." Um, so I started looking for. You can do a search online for call, what they're called call for artists. So when somebody's going to do an art show in the area, they'll do a call for artists. So I did a call for artists in my immediate area in my the county that I live in, and found a couple different shows and made some prints and framed them and entered shows. Didn't you know? I didn't sell anything. You can sell at those shows, but it. Um, so this this idea of selling pictures merges with the idea of publicly showing my pictures, printing them, and actually showing them, not just showing them online. Mm. Um, and and it kind of branched out from there. Uh, 
in doing that, I realized I don't want to give the, I don't want to give the whole whole thing in just the in the summary here, but I realized from that I need more of an online presence, online portfolio, things like that. So it's all just kind of branched its way forward to the point that. Um, on a yearly basis, I'm involved in one, in one show in particular that I do every year, and and uh, in that show by itself, I probably clear enough to to cover the whole year's worth of um, what my web page costs, what my uh, Adobe subscription costs, generally speaking, what I'm spending on getting prints and things like that. So everything else is is if I don't do anything else the year, that that show by itself usually is enough to cover a lot of those expenses. So I guess you're sort of you're leveraging, because there's obviously an upfront cost if you're going to show prints. Well, you got to right. make prints, right? And now, you know that's one of the that's one of the downsides. So, so your comment to start with is, well, I I'd like to be able to sell pictures to cover the cost of let's say the software that I'm buying. Let's just for an example, let's yeah. say Adobe. So let's add 120 dollars a year, right? Well, yeah. if you're but before you can sell a picture, <laughs> you're gonna there, you're gonna there's gonna be an expense regarding regarding printing. Well, how are you gonna print it? Are you gonna put it on canvas? Are you gonna print it and mount it in a frame? Um, and those are all considerations then that you have to put into as far as what the cost is gonna be. So not only are you now covering the so you as with any sort of money making enterprise, you generally are gonna spend a little bit more money to make money to cover what you thought you were going to cover. So it's uh, you, you have to be careful and uh, not every year has been successful. Um, but, I, you know, I, I last several years, I've easily covered pretty much my expenses and and uh, again, not counting my time, but certainly the software subscriptions and things like that. Yeah, at this stage now, so the, 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 I work in a university for my day job and the university has an arts committee. And um, I think it's I think it's three years ago now, they, they put out a call basically saying, we're having an exhibition for all artists on campus, anyone who paints or sketches or whatever. And photography wasn't mentioned. And I wrote back and I went, excuse me, but I'm an artist. I'm on, I'm a member of staff here. Why can't I take part in this? And I got back, yeah, but photography isn't a creative art. And I went, well, actually, it is. You know, it, yes, you start with a blank canvas and fill it in. I start with the universe and exclude stuff. But it's still art. And I got back because I, I was a bit I was a bit cranky about it. And it may have shown in the letter. Uh, but anyways, I got back. I, oh, actually, you're right. I'm sorry. We look forward to seeing your work. I was like, uh-oh. I have now just committed myself <laughs> to um, <laughs> to doing... Uh, with, you know, to, to, to taking part in this exhibition, and so I printed out two canvases, and managed to sell one. Um, and so every year since then, I've I've gone back, and they allow two pieces per artist, so that's six canvases printed, of which I've sold two. So I have four more canvases, I guess. Right, you know, and that's the. Uh, uh, these are all the financial considerations that you have to take into account. So you're going to end up having inventory a lot of times. So if, if a show says, well, you can have six things here or you can have whatever, whatever the number is, uh, and you say, okay, well, I'll produce that much stuff. Well, if you don't sell it, if you buy it all and don't sell it, obviously, you're going to have that inventory. And, you know, what 
how, what's that inventory cost you? Are you going to have another opportunity to sell it? Things like that. So those are those are considerations. We're kind of piling up the negatives, but it but it. Those I'm not are sure the they're negatives, yeah. though. They're yeah, just, those, they, but those are the considerations. Yeah, yeah, they're just facts of life, right? You you can't right. take part in an exhibition without printing some work, and you may sell some of it, but you are excruciatingly unlikely to sell all of it. But if you go into six or seven or eight or nine shows, you will soon end up with an armful of prints you can bring with you, and then you don't necessarily have to keep that investment up because then you'll have an inventory. Right. It builds up, and then you just rotate it out. Um, I will admit that I've, you know, my my house is a gallery, <laughs> and no nobody seems to mind. And I've given you know Christmas gifts to friends and family where where it's you know a print that okay I'm done showing this. Um, it's one of the advantages to doing uh, a print and framing it because you can you can always recycle the frame. You can change you know. The, right. the prints, prints are relatively inexpensive. Frames are the expensive part of that equation. So you can, um, you can, uh, you know, do another print and put it in the frame. The flip side of that argument is that canvases seem to sell a lot better than framed work. I, so I do almost, I, I do almost all my printing on canvas now. Okay, I, so I, do I, very, I very rarely do anything in a frame. I like. There's something about canvas that seems to match my style of photography. They just it looks right. Well, let me tell you my other theory on that. So the other thing that you'll find out is that um, particularly sitting in an art show where you're you're with a bunch of uh, – your, your material is being shown with a lot of different artists and you get to hear people walk through um, – and and I've you know I've talked to other photographers and I think this is generally true and you'll probably agree uh, people tend to devalue the art of photography for some reason they will look at the um, they'll look at a painting an oil painting or a watercolor or whatever and um, treat it with a different level of respect of the artist boy that person really they're they're really talented boy that must have taken a lot of time i you know i don't know but there's a there's a greater value to say a painted piece of work than there is photography and i think i think the main reason for that is well everybody can everybody's got a camera anybody can shoot the picture um but when you do put it on canvas it does take on the uh, appearance and a bit more it takes on the appearance of a painting uh, because it's on canvas um, depending on the subject matter for me for instance with landscapes and uh, that kind of thing sometimes people really have a hard time they you'll say oh is that a photograph um, be- because it's on that that medium of canvas sometimes they're that they have a really hard time knowing whether it's a photograph or not um, so I think it canvas sort of ups the ups the art value of a photograph um, now, and and people are much more willing to spend i you know i've i've sold a tiny number of framed prints and, and a lot more canvas prints strangely i've never sold a framed print i've sold poster prints and canvas prints yeah i i know that i've sold a framed print i i if you pushed me and said how many or when was it, I couldn't even remember. But I know that I've sold several more canvases. Yeah. So. Oh, well, what I have noticed is that the the subject matter dictates that as well because with a landscape, the like a canvas isn't sharp, right? A, 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 the the mottled texture of the canvas does not aid in the capturing of fine delicate detail. It right. does the right. opposite. So 
if you're doing like a macro shot of a flower or a butterfly or some sort of nature macro, that is such a bad fit for a canvas. Whereas a, an A0 poster print, if you've managed to get your shot sharp enough and with enough megapixels behind it, that can just look astonishing. Like, you know, a butterfly or something. Right. So I did find that link uh, for the postcards and mm-hmm. I, and I passed it off to you. The, but for the listeners, it's Overnight Prints was the company that I used. And I, I haven't ordered from them in a while, but I did while we were talking, I clicked on it and I see that they're still in operation and still doing really nice prices for 25, a run of 25. So, um, and, and I had good success. The cult, you know, it's not, I, I guess what I would say is if I, if I was actually doing a big, uh, enlargement framing it, I wouldn't necessarily always be happy with the color correctness and things like that. I've, I've had one run where it came back very poor and I had to do it again, but they were actually pretty good about that and, and sent me another, another run. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a plus quality, but I would call it postcard quality and the prices are right. Yeah. I should actually say that if there's anyone listening in Ireland, the, the, the place that I have found to do uh, the best canvas prints at a really good price is printedcanvas.ie and they do free shipping within Ireland. And in the United States, I, I've promoted them, and we'll do it again, and we'll put the note, the, the link, cgproprints.com here in the United States. Super good quality, um, very, very competitive prices. I know some people uh, looking for inexpensive prints will use Costco here in the United States. That's right. a, I don't know if you're familiar with I, I know all of them. Uh, yeah, so, um, but uh, CG, CG Pro Prints is less expensive than that. And uh, top 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 flight quality. Uh, I had one print come that the color was very bad. I contacted them and they replaced it right away. But uh, otherwise, I've had uh, really good success in in the quality. They have they put a cardboard back on it. Uh, it just it looks very very good. And and uh, um, and you watch for sales. They'll a lot of times they'll they'll be. Uh, marking it down an additional 25 to 35 percent you do have to pay shipping which is kind of a bummer um but again if you watch the sales you're you're still i think i'm averaging about in u.s dollars somewhere around 35 dollars to 40 dollars for a um 16 by 11 no 16 by 20 yeah 16 by 20 canvas is what i do normally so that's a really good price Um, and, and then you can, and then you can get a really nice margin off of that, depending on, depending on your venue and what you're selling. But, um, so what I love actually about printedcanvas.ie is they, when you upload your picture, they let you recrop it and all that kind of stuff, but they show it to you behind a typical couch in a typical sitting room on a wall. Right. Yeah. And so as you're changing between the different size of print, you actually get a feeling of what it is that's going to arrive in the post. And that is really quite valuable because you don't, you know, the numbers are a bit difficult to to understand. I find, whereas a simple representation of what a sitting room will look like with this canvas hanging in it will tell you whether you're getting a big one, a little one, et cetera, et cetera. So it, I, I think it's a really nice little service they offer, and I wish more more websites were that good. And it's actually also, even though they're called canvas prints or printed canvas.ie, that's also where I get my poster prints done, and they do a really good job on A0 and A1 posters as well. So for shows, I typically do about, like I said, I think it's a 16 by 20 print, but I've also, um, there was a, 
a print a, a photograph that I did here locally that uh, my wife really liked and she wanted for our bedroom and and um, and I'm not going to tell you how big it is because I I can't remember I'd have to look it up but uh, it's very big very large um, and it basically covered the uh, covered the wall at the head of the bed and I used CG CG Pro prints for that and I think it was. $150, something like that. Um, and it turned out wonderful and it's, it's very large. I, I wish I, I wish I could be more specific than, than the vague, very, very large. large, but, but, uh, it's like I said, it's, you know, the head of the bed. Yeah. So a wall dominating print. Wall dominating print. Yeah. So, um, and you know, I, you, you're not going to show, you're not going to take something like that to a show. Um, that's something that somebody's going to ask for specifically. But even that, I, you know, I'm thinking back on that and I was like, well, if I, if somebody wanted that, you know, in this case, it was my wife and I bought it for myself. And like I said, I can't remember the exact expense, but it seemed like it was a hundred to $150, something like that. Well, you know, I could, I'm sure I've, been to a gallery where I've seen something that large, photograph that large, you know, four hundred or four hundred dollars or more. Um, so I would easily get my money back and uh, on the on the cost of that. So yeah. the the problem is finding the space to show something like that to sell it. But yeah, the um, the show that I do on a yearly basis, it's um, backing up. I because I wanted to. Learn how to show work more, find more shows, find more outlets. I joined a local uh, art guild uh, in my community, um, and it really is just about it, – it varies. The people – most people that are um, – I was the young guy, and I'm and I'm not that young. <laughs> okay. So I a lot of, a lot of retired folks that have a lot of time that have been doing artwork. Some of them, uh, some of them very seriously and and selling work and showing work um, extensively. Some of them doing it very much as a hobby. Um, so a real variety of people. But it was you know people that are interested in art, um, and they do three or four shows of their own during the year. And also I sort of picked their brains on other shows that I could go to and, you know, how do you frame it? How do you show it? You know, where do you go to buy these things? What kinds of things do you need? So that was a really good re number one, really good resource for learning how to do these things. Where do you, you know, what kinds of, how do you, how do you put good picture wire on the back to hang it instead of the sawtooth? Because no show will accept a sawtooth hanger. Everybody wants picture wire hangers. So learning how to do that properly and where to get the supplies. Um, those kinds of things I pick up. I picked up a lot of information from those people. But the other great thing was that they do an art show every year during the um, annual Skagit Valley Tulip Festival. And anybody that's seen my portfolio or heard me on any shows, they know that I shoot a ton of tulips and I always show at this tulip festival. Yeah. We, we, as a group, we rent out uh, – an old 1885, I think that's what the year is, 1885 one-room schoolhouse that's on the campus of a uh, nursery in the area, you know, a um, plant sale place, a nursery. That's what we call them here. I don't know if that's, no, that's what, what we call them here. Yeah, okay. nurseries are places that make plants. 
Right. There you go. So it's on this uh, and it's in the middle of all the different tulip fields and and um, and there's also somebody there selling food and we're one of the only that's one of the only food vendors in this out in this open area. So that's great. Brings in a lot of traffic. So anyway, we do this show and each artist rents out a square. I think I think it's six foot high walls. Uh, 15 foot long wall so you know about 15 by 6 and if you double that because I usually double that so I get a get a nice area to hang stuff but then the other thing that I do and this is where a lot of the money comes from is that these people are tourists and they want something to take away from their trip to the tulip fields so I print a lot of greeting cards greeting cards with mostly tulips as the subject and I sell the greeting cards individually and then I also sell them I'll put them in a group of six and put them in a clear plastic box and sell them at a little bit higher price and um, so the nice thing here is you have your you have your bigger stuff and every now and then people will really fall in love with your work and plunk down you know a couple hundred dollars on a nice print that doesn't happen real often, but you a few know, times is sufficient. A five, you know, I few times, few times are those. Few, I mean, one or two of those a season pushes the number up. But you know, I'm selling the gift card box of uh, post of greeting cards for twenty dollars a piece. Well, five of those. <laughs> so, and you know, and I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, I don't know. I sold ten or fifteen of those this year, and and a lot of individual. Uh, just a lot of individual cards, and I sell those at four dollars a piece. So, um, you, that's where a lot of that money makes up because people love to buy little small things. So, if you and I don't know, I, I guess if if you're asking me, well, how do I do? You know, I don't have a tulip festival locally. Well, there's probably something or some. Yeah, there's some a hook somewhere. I just got to go. Yeah, find it. Check your check your community. You know, there might be some little thing like that. And, you know, it does take some – it might take a little bit more footwork to find something. that I, you know, this was, I certainly had a great opportunity, the fact that this art show is up and running and I joined the guild and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's one of the ways to make money, a little bit of money, and, and it all it, – it adds up pretty quickly really. You, you're not spending a, a ton on the um, – I buy the – I buy blank cards from uh, – Amazon. I buy clear plastic sleeves from Amazon, and I, I shared a couple links for you to to put in the notes. Um, you do the math on that. Uh, cards are, I think I'm individually. I think I'm spending about fifty cents a card or seventy five cents a card or something like that. I get four by six prints from Costco. Um, sometimes that's free because if you get a print at Costco, they'll give you a coupon for like a hundred four by sixes. So it's, it's either, okay. you know, it's often very cheap or sometimes even free. Um, so talk I, me through some practicalities here, Mark. So I have no idea what to do with a Strathmore photo mount card with white okay. decorative embossed border. <laughs> okay. So, um, so let's picture a, a greeting card. Let's picture a, a birthday card or, or something like that. Okay. Um, these are completely blank, no writing, no pictures, no nothing. It's just it's just cardstock that is um, flat. It's not even folded at this point. It does have a crease in it where you do fold. The embossing is on one one of I guess one quarter. So if you you know if you if you're looking at 
one one side of the paper mm -hmm. it's on one half okay and the embossing goes around the edges and you uh i put double sticky tape uh, i get i get just a little roll that it's in a it's in a uh, dispenser and it just zoop 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 you just it just sticks itself onto the corners and you put it within the boundaries of the embossing you can get it without the embossing i just like the look of the embossing and, and it doesn't add very much to the expense it makes it look a little richer and, and how so, difficult uh, so presuming the idea is that you print on these yourself mm -hmm. so how difficult is it to get all that to line up so that it comes out right it's not difficult at all. And actually, before I put the before I put the picture on, I will take a stack of these. And once I figure out, now I've, I've done this a million times, but I still never remember. Once I figure out which direction is up and which <laughs> direction is in, I will put them in my laser printer. And I have a I've created a little uh, name address sort of thing that goes would be on what would be the back of the card that says Mark Pauly Twin Lakes Images, my website, I think phone number, uh, copyright notice. So it so it'll print on what will be the back. So so if you're looking at that one piece of paper, it it has that facing up and the the uh, picture four by six print pasted down between the embossing and and because of the and that's the other reason I like the embossing. The way that it's laid out, it helps you line it up so that you're not all crooked. And I, I do it. I I don't use a ruler or straight edge or anything. I'm able to just uh, stick it right on there. I lay it on carefully. I look at it and say, "Yep, that's good." And and I uh, press it down. Cool. Um, and then you uh, then you uh, that package comes with envelopes that, that look nice. So I then I now that I've created all these cards i fold them up put them in an envelope if i'm going to sell them individually i put them in a clear plastic bag um, i also buy that now i buy that from amazon and again those are relatively inexpensive and you seal them up so that way when they're out on display people can flip through them not get their grubby fingers or ice right. cream on them or whatever they're they're uh so they they're protected um, if I'm going to sell them in a group, I don't put them in the clear plastic bags. Instead, I put them in clear boxes, uh, uh, usually six at a time. Didn't share a link for that because uh, I haven't bought them. I didn't have. I, I bought enough two years ago. I didn't have to buy any this year. And I went to my link, and and uh, it's a dead link. So I'm not. It looks like I'm going to have to shop for that again. <laughs> have to go hunting next time. Yeah, but again, I I, I think the Google term is clear plastic greeting card boxes and you'll you'll find a bunch i think i found six or seven different sources and i went with the best price and cool. cheapest shipping or something like that and and they look really really nice and um it's not difficult to do once you've done it a few times it's less time consuming because you kind of just like everything else you create a a workflow and and uh, you know i'll sit and sit at my dining room table and watch tv and just have other cards. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay, so I, I think we've covered the physical world pretty well there. Mm -hmm. So there is, of course, a whole other aspect, which is selling images in the digital realm rather than the physical realm. Right. Uh, so I, uh, how easy is it to have... 
to set yourself up somewhere without too much of an upfront investment where people can go there, click a button, and then someone else will do the, all the fulfillment and the posting and the credit card handling and all that kind of stuff, and you'll just get some sort of commission at the end of the month. How how easy is that kind of a utopian vision to achieve? So I would say the setting up and running it is, is very easy. Um, I will admit that I have not seen a lot of sales from from doing ah, that. Okay. So so let me give you a couple uh so I'll give you a couple different answers. Number 1 and and I think I think this is worth doing regardless. Um and okay. and the reason I uh, having a nice portfolio page that looks somewhat commercial, I think is a good if you're going to if you're if you're going to go to places like if you're going to go to a gallery, you're going to go to a store and say here you know I'd like to I'd like to sell these postcards or greeting cards or something like that. Um, and you, but you have a presence on the web. Um, every time I've gone anywhere, they've always, people have always said, Oh, are you, you know, are you on the web? And then I give them a business card that, that gives them my web web address that shows my portfolio. Um, I think it get, even though I haven't made a bunch of, I'm trying to think of, Oh gee, I, I think maybe I've sold once from my web page. So obviously it's not a source of sales, but it definitely is a source of advertisements. It's a source of people knowing that you're serious about what you're doing. And so then you go, well, what's the cost of it and, and what do you get for that? So I I researched at the time and, and I'm not gonna say that this is the best thing to do. I'm not, not gonna say things haven't changed over the last two or three years because I haven't researched it recently. But I ended up using um photo uh jeez, I, I even I even um I gave you the link and I wrote it wrong. Photo photo is the uh hang on hang on one second, I'm sorry. Uh Zenfolio is Zenfolio.com is my. Um, so how do you spell Zen? Z E N. Zenfolio.com. Oops. Z N F O I L O. You'll need to correct the. Uh, you'll need to correct the notes. The Z E N Z. Zulu Echo November Foxtrot Oscar Lima. Indigo Oscar? Uh, yeah. Ah, there we are. You're all in one e-commerce platform to showcase there the you go. photography. That, that does sound pretty much like exactly what I asked you for. Yep. So I, I pay them $140 a year. Um, I am one of the sort of the mid-tier that you can, you can spend a lot more money than that as a pro let's I, I picture somebody who's doing a lot of uh wedding photography graduate photography or something like that because you can set up a lot of customer pages and things like that that i don't do um but i pay a little bit more i pay i pay you can get a cheaper site um but i do pay a little bit more f- to have them do an e-commerce site and and i i've Debated with myself whether I should be doing that since I don't really have a lot of e-commerce going on, but there's a few other benefits, and and so I've I've stuck with that. So I pay $140 a year. I get a portfolio that I that I have a lot of control over. They have a bunch of different themes that you can use, and then you can alter those to make it look the way that you want. So that was one thing that I really liked about it. I can blog there. Um, I don't. I haven't blogged as much as I want. 
um, but you can do that, and it's really easy to do. They do, um, and then they also ham- handle an e-commerce site, and you can mix into that e-commerce site basically what they sell, um, and and they are associated with Mpix, which is a company that I use to do my prints. M M P I X dot com. Um, but you can also, and this is what's kind of nice, you can also combine in your own stuff. So because I sell canvases, but I like to use a different site uh, because of the pricing, I can go on there and say, well, I'm going to sell you a 16 by 11 canvas of this picture. Here's what it's going to cost. When somebody does that, it's pretty seamless. It The message comes to me. I set up, I end up being the fulfillment person. So I go, you know, I go to CG pro prints and and get it printed and send it off but the customer if they were to do that doesn't know the difference it all looks the same as far as they're concerned the, the money gets handled the same um i really like this site and the reason i do is because it it looks really good um i know that a lot of people will use um shoot um my brain is – I can't think of the other one that people – the other major one that people use. Um, maybe you can remember. Maybe you help me. Anyway, it's a, I found it to be more expensive. Um, this – I found this to be a much more reasonable price for the for the things that I was going to do. And like I said, I, I don't do a lot of sales from here, but I am really happy. And if you look at my website, TwinLakesImages.com, that is Zenfolio. Ah, okay. Interesting. The other thing that I did early on to try to sell online was to do microstock. Okay. And that was and that's and and that was the I gave you the link and I'm and I that's the wrong link. It's Photolia, F O T O L I A. And they were actually just purchased by Adobe. Yes, yeah, so I see. And they're integrate they're integrated with Adobe and and don't ask me how that works for artists because I still don't quite know yet and I haven't spent the time to kind of figure it out. But that certainly seems to me a good sign if if a company like Adobe has spent money it makes me think that Photolio will be around and they were probably a successful company. And I have oodles of sales on Photolio. That's the good news. Bad news is a lot of those are twenty five cents at a shot, and I don't get a check until I sell fifty dollars worth, and I'm about twenty dollars shy of that right yeah. now. And I've and I've been selling for a few years. <laughs> so, um, and and anybody that does micro stock or does stock photography will tell you that the only way that you make money doing that is to have lots and lots and lots and lots of images. And the reason I don't have lots and lots and lots of images is that they are. Um, really particular about uh the quality of the image not not the quality in the sense of how beautiful it is quality of image in the sense of focus or um aberrations or um those kinds of things and um well, yeah, I, I guess to, if it's going to be I try stuff. not to I try not to take it personally when they when photos get rejected and then I see what they were rejecting it for and I go, "Yeah, but you can't see that when it's, you know, 8 by 10 uh, on the web page." So, <laughs> so uh but you know, they're they're selling it to people that are going to maybe be printing it or whatever and and those those little bits of uh those little bits of 
technical quality issues could be a big difference for somebody. So so a lot of pictures, you you got to be pretty technically. Um, yeah, you, stock tech- isn't art. Like stock, stock is supposed yeah. to be perfect. Yeah. So um, I just got kind of tired of. I got tired of working so hard on it um, to produce the numbers that I would need to produce. So every now and then I'll send something over, and um, I don't, I don't, I only have about, I don't know, twenty or thirty pictures over there, and I haven't sent one in a long, long time. But I sell something. I probably sell a picture once a month or something. But like I said, it's you know twenty five cents to a dollar every time something sells, and it's going to take a while. Yeah. So that's that's one of the other ways that I do it. And then there's just a whole handful of another place I would tell people to potentially look low cost uh, is fine art America. Now I don't, it's got the word America in it right there. So I don't know how international it is. Um, they have a free tier. They have a little bit cheaper tiers. Um, now, would so, that be for, uh, for fine art or would that be for micro stock? Oh, that's for, that's for uh, art. Print. So that'd be for not, not micro stock. That would be for showing your artwork. Just like sort of you can now. In comparison, and I actually started with Fine Art America. That you can create a you can create a portfolio page. You can have e-commerce if you pay them. You pay that. I can't remember what their fees are. It's lower than what I'm paying for Zenfolio. Uh, one of the things that I didn't like about it is you didn't have as much control over what your page was going to look like. Um, but there's a reason for that. They want all the pages to look quite a bit, quite a bit the same. And, and what they're trying to do is create a storefront. And the difference between something like fine art America and twin lakes images.com is that I have to drive people to go look at twin lakes images.com. If you didn't right. know it exists, and a lot of people don't know it exists, you're not going to go look at it. But if instead you're saying, you know, boy, I'd like to, I'd like to go look at some art, or maybe I want to go buy some photography. I, I have an empty wall. I'd like to fill it. Yeah. So then you might go to a place like Fine Art America, and then you might search. I, you know, I'd like pictures of mountains, um, and then you know, potentially something that Mark Pauly shot uh, is going to pop up in their search, and they're going to like it. So. That's a major difference between these these internet presences is that some of these sites are galleries that bodies are already coming to and your picture might get brought up in the search that somebody did versus having me have my own portfolio where people go there because I tell them that's where my stuff is. So uh, as far as sales, I don't. I haven't sold in, you know I haven't sold much more on Fine Art America than I did on my own and and because I wasn't because I don't sell a lot online I liked the flexibility I liked being able to blog and things like that so I spent the money and spend most of my time keeping Zenfolio up to date and and uh, Fine Art America has sort of gone to gone to languish I, I don't really keep it up but that would right. be those are the other kinds of alternatives that you could that a person could go to to get uh, presence online. Interesting. Or those are the ones I've tried. Yeah, I'm just and looking through the the Fine Art America. That the name is off-putting to Europeans, but actually, when you look at the services they offer, even on their free accounts, it's pretty impressive. Actually, the I again, I haven't looked in a while, but the one problem with the with the free account is I think they limit to limit you to about twenty or twenty-five pictures or something like that. And if you if you want to post a lot more, that's obviously an issue. 
Yeah, but if I could find 20 really good pictures that have a chance of selling, I'm probably doing okay. Right. And actually, if you get to the point where, I'm, where you're selling enough that you need more than 20 or so up there, maybe right. maybe then you can afford a non-free account. Right. Cool. And, and I... You know, I found them to be fairly reliable. There's uh, one of the nice thing. Oh, one of the nice things that I found on on Fine Art America is that they do have a f- or yeah, there's a community. I still see it there. Yeah. There's a kind of a forum community. Um, so sort of like the benefits that I get by joining my guild, you kind of get that online here. You could. Be, I know that people have conversations about you know where they print or gee how do you how do you price how do you know what to charge for your art that kind of things people really shy away from the conversation of how do you charge because it's really hard it's hard to calculate um but you can get that kind of information on you know in the community people will share some of that information so that's one of the other nice things about fine art america is that there is a fairly active um forum Excellent. Yeah, because I I could definitely do with some guidance on that because right now I just pull numbers out of my proverbial you know what yeah, well, the answer to the question, or my answer to the question, is uh, go to some shows, sort of at the level that you think you're at, and um, and and shop and make some comparison and see what the rate, what the going rate is. Yeah. Um, don't 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 say, well, this you know this picture cost me forty dollars to produce. I'd really like to double my money, so I'll sell it for eighty. Uh, there's a there's a good chance you're underselling yourself, but if you go to if you go to the show and find out everybody is selling something that that size for seventy five dollars, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, then you better that, that's join the sort club. Of I, that's that's sort of how I've pegged it was that I I, I don't want to cheat myself, but I see what you know what are the other prices in in the room and and I kind of go with that. Um, at the art show that I do at the tulip festival i can you know i generally sell a canvas for about 195 somewhere in there yeah my sort of metric at the moment has been whatever it cost me to make plus 20 euro for myself right which means that i I think that brings me into about 75 euro for a canvas which is a lot cheaper yeah well i need to shop around more basically i need to figure out what what other people in this neck of the wood you could be underselling yourself yeah, no, definitely. So it's it is a case of get involved in the community. The guild idea actually sounds great. I must go have a hunt around for those. And that magic word "call for artists." I've been doing a bit of googling while we're talking, which is "call for artists Kildare," which is where I live in Ireland. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, there's stuff going on here that I had no idea was going on. So that's uh, right. That was a good search term. So that's there that's, you go. that's a fantastic tip straight away. There um, you go. And th- and that's what I did to to get into different shows. Now. We're we're at fifty minutes now, but something I oh, definitely goodness. oh yeah look it's easy to fill an hour when you have interesting people. Uh, something I definitely want to talk about before we wrap up is if you have any thoughts on creating a portfolio because I I have a like I haven't really assembled one because I'm not quite sure how to go about it. So if any thoughts at all that you might have to help me get started on that task would, would be appreciated. Um, sure. And so I learned that not it, it it's a little bit different difficult. Um you want to you want to so like on Zenfolio, I would like to be able to put all of my work there that I think somebody might want to buy. Right. Um the problem with that is not all of my work that somebody might want to buy is 
portfolio worthy um, because you know you talk you read from the experts or you talk to people and what they'll tell you is well your portfolio really is your cream that's the very very best of what you do what I did on Zenfolio is um, it opens up with a slideshow um, and that slideshow and you can control how many pictures are in there but I think I have maybe 12 15 pictures in there I need to actually go in and change them I've I've been distracted and haven't done a lot of work on my on my photography lately but the idea when I created it was I take about 10 or 15 of just my very best images that's what if so somebody wants to come see what what's Mark Polly about what's what's his pictures about this is this is his portfolio these are the these are the pictures and then that so you're trying Page to get a flavor has, of everything? I Well, I try not to do everything on there because because I primarily do landscape, uh, I think almost every image is, is a landscape image on that because that is who I am really primarily. I think, you know, I think I have some uh, – uh, some of my flower images are there um, because I have so many of them, but you know, I've done pictures of people or people in, you know, out in the or street photography, that kind of thing. But I don't know that I have any of those included in that 10 or 15 because that's very fringe. It's not something that I do a lot of. Right. So I put, I have in that group, just, just my cream of the crop, very best and, and pretty much who I am landscaping nature type photography. And now I say all that and somebody's going to click on my page and see that I have for whatever reasons I, I, and I'm not even looking at it right now. I probably have something mixed in there and they're going to say, Oh, he lied. But that's, that's my answer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's not my focus. That's in that. So then, uh, and then I just have categories in the page. So if you want to see, my landscape stuff. If you want to see my Skagit Valley um, tulip stuff, if you want to see the images that I do over at Twin Lakes in the in the um, uh, in that area of the lakes and so forth, because my hope is people might buy stuff at those resorts and they'll say, oh, I want to see what other things he has, or maybe I want to buy something bigger. So so that's a category. Um, and then I have a category I think I call people places and things and that's the ones where some of my street photography and that kind of stuff that I like and I want people to see and maybe somebody will be interested in um, so I have those categories so what I so I've kind of combined that page to say okay here's my portfolio here's my 10 to 15 this is what I'm and this is what everybody's going to see right off the bat and then there's categories where I will put in what I think are you know printable sellable images in those other groups and if so if people are more interested they're going to go look at those other big collections how do i come up with that well i don't think i'm the best judge of what my 10 or 15 best things are what i do is i turn to people like bart bouchats or antonio rosario or other people to you know i share those out and and um i get i get people that I respect, somebody like, I mean, Antonio, you know, that's what he's done for a profession. And he'll, he'll be brutally honest and say, you, you know, that's not a portfolio picture. Um, 
so get some outside get some outside advice of you know what's portfolio worthy and and if you're really serious about it and I probably actually Antonio's probably saying yeah you owe me money idiot if you're really serious about it there's um, people out there that will. Um, hire their services out to do a portfolio review, um, and I can't tell you what the cost is at, off the top of my head. But you know they'll you'll send them you'll send them what you call your portfolio, and they'll go through and for a fee and and give you some really nice comments about whether or not you're building your portfolio correctly or what you need to include or what you should edit out. But you'll find the advice uh, most people say is your portfolio should be very small. It should be. Uh, your very best work and indicative of what you do. Okay. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. So, yeah. So, you see, I know that means I definitely want to get some good landscape shots in there. I definitely want to get some good macro shots in there. I definitely want to get some of my railway work in there. So I guess that's what I need to focus on, and then I need to look into each of those. And I need to find, I guess, the photographs that best express the different aspects of each of those then. Mm-hmm. And so I guess you, if your portfolio is contains shots that look samey, you're probably doing it wrong. Would that be a fair? I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I don't know if I would, I don't know that I have the answer to that question. I think I have an opinion that, that that's not necessarily true. If you have a style, um, they're going to maybe look samey. <laughs> Like, hey, okay, but there's style and there's, you know, so if you have, you know, one species of butterfly sitting on a flower and another species of butterfly sitting on a flower, you should probably choose between those two. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so when I say, I mean, yeah, I would argue the chance that most of my photography has a, a style, but that still doesn't mean they're samey. Right. Well, it, yeah, I have it. Exactly. I have, and let's go to, the, for me, tulip pictures. I have some tulip pictures that are, you know, except for this, except for these are tulip species, whatever, except for the uh, type of tulip, you know, the image is almost the same. It's like, well, why would I, if I could look at one and say, oh, that's a great picture and look at the other one. Oh, that's a great picture. Well, put one of those. <laughs> yeah, you should be doing the work, but it's not up to the person buying your shot to right. to have to yeah. do the thinking and the editing and the figuring out which is best. You as the artist right. should do that. Right. Okay, well, I think I have some work done because I think actually of everything you've said today, the thing, the thing I've known for a long time is that I really need to put work into my portfolio, and I know it's going to be hard, so I haven't started. And I should, I should right. probably get some fire under myself and, and get that done. And I think actually, getting a review from a trusted person like like uh, like, like Antonio um, and Tom, that's probably a good investment. Yeah, and now that we've mentioned them, I I will pop, be really, definitely link in the show notes. Yeah, and I and I think they do. I think they do do that as a service from their yes. from their uh, switch to manual, and and uh, uh, they're both. I've worked. With, I haven't ever worked with Tom, but uh, um, Antonio really took years ago, and I learned more from him than anything. He he helped me do some editing and things like that, and he's been a huge great resource. So yeah, well, I think is I, I trust Antonio and Tom to be honest, even though I, even though I know them and they know me, and right. I also I know that they are they have the skills to pay the bills in terms of giving good advice. So I think that's kind of what you need for someone that you're going to ask for a review of. If you don't trust them, there's no point in asking them for a review, right? Because you yeah, just can ignore their answer. Don't ask your significant other or your mom or your brother or whatever, because all your pictures are going to be wonderful. <laughs> 
you need you need to ask somebody that is a profession that generally is a professional and will give you an honest that's crap. Yeah, which is what you need exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, Mark. It has been an absolute joy to talk to you about this. Um, thank you very much for giving up a chunk of your weekend to have this conversation. Well, thank you. Thank- we, ahead, we've I'm mentioned sorry. it already, but let's let's plug it again. So if anyone wants to see and or purchase your fine, fine photography, it's at TwinLakeImages.com. TwinLakesImages. There's Oops. an S in there. Twin, TwinLakesImages.com. And the, the show notes will have the correct clickable link. There you uh, go. Which is easier, obviously, than uh, than uh, having to type it in like an animal. I just go over. There you go. Well, you're going to have to type in let's-talk.ie. But I'm going to ask you to do that anyway, because every link that Mark has mentioned, I have gathered together and popped into show notes. And I've also taken a few little bullet points of the the key points you've made, Mark. Uh, So I'm going to put both of those together in the show notes at let's-talk.ie. So people can go there, get all the links. And while the people happen to be there, while you guys, listeners, happen to be there, there are also four blue buttons under the heading support the show. Um please support the show. So first off, every one of you who ever says to a friend, hey, why don't you check out this photography podcast? That's supporting the show. Everyone who reviews the show on iTunes, that's supporting the show. Everyone who retweets the show, that's supporting the show. And all of that support is greatly appreciated and is very valuable. And anyone who supports the show in any way at all, you guys rock. There is another way to support the show, which is basically help me pay the bills. And that is obviously greatly appreciated. And the the main mechanisms for that are the Patreon page, uh, which is linked in the show. So Patreon is the idea where you become a patron of the podcast. So you pledge a small dollar amount. And that's the magic to Patreon is everyone pledges a small dollar amount. But once a month, that comes as one big chunk to the artist or the podcaster in this case. And it means it's a very efficient way to have... PayPal fees not destroy small donations, which is what happens if people try to give small donations individually. So that's patreon.com forward slash ltpod or click the link over at less-talk.ie. To everyone who is a patron of the show already, you guys are amazing because every month the money from Patreon comes in and the bills come in and I take one and I apply it to the other. And that is amazing. So you guys rock. There's a plain old PayPal button, which is very straightforward. And then there are affiliate links. There is one to a Zazzle store where you can buy branded merchandise. Um, Basically, 5% or so of everything you buy, it goes back to me. And then you have a thing, be it a T-shirt or a mug or whatever. Uh, So you do get a physical thing and you also get to be a walking billboard. So I guess you support the show twice. Uh, I will say the coffee mugs are fantastic. I have them myself. Um... I have one of my own podcasts for work so that I'm advertising myself. And at home, I actually have one from Alison Sheridan's podcast because it's just lovely. Um, But they're actually really good quality mugs. Um, And then for the nerds among you, there are affiliate links to Hover.com, who are a fantastic domain registrar, and to DigitalOcean, who are a fantastic virtual private hosting company. Those affiliate links are a really good way to contribute to the show if and only if you actually need to register a domain or you actually need a virtual server. Because in both of those cases, unless you actually follow through and buy something, you don't get any benefit for anyone. Whereas if you do, you actually, particularly with DigitalOcean, you get some money off and I get some money off, which is fantastic because both of those companies, I pay bills to every month. And so affiliate money coming in there is extremely helpful, but only if you actually need that kind of stuff. So it's one for the nerds only. Anyway, that's enough plugging away, so it's let'sjusttalk.ie. Mark, thank you again. Um, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and 
I, I presume it's summertime. So does that mean there's going to be more I, Twin Lakes images to be taken? There are. So I um, so it's it's summer. It's beautiful here. You, I, I took an hour away from building part of a deck on a new house that we Ooh. that we just moved into. But next week, so probably the twenty first or twenty second, I'll be heading over to Twin Lakes and spend a couple weeks. So I hope to be uh, taking lots and lots of pictures and getting back into the swing of things because I haven't haven't taken haven't taken many pictures lately. So I want to get back into the swing of that and, and get some things posted. So uh, I imagine that amazing physical environment will get the old creative juices flowing pretty quickly i i think it will and i'll get out early and get on my boat and who knows maybe we have some new animals out there last few years we've had juvenile eagles to take pictures of and and uh, beavers were active and there's loons in the lake which is apparently a fairly rare sighting around uh around the place around 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 the United States. So we have them. We're, we're one of the lakes that has them. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of, lot of opportunity and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Excellent. We'll definitely do enjoy that. Okay. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. So you can find me at bartb.ie and until next time, happy snapping. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. This is Mark Chappell of the Essential Mac and the Rampant Mumblings podcast. And this is Carl Madden of the Mac and Forth Show podcast. You know what, Carl? No, never met him. But it's funny how many people ask. No, no, no. I mean, you know what we should do? Get better writers? Well, that goes without saying. No, I think we should merge. Excuse me? Rampant Mumblings, Essential Mac, Mac and Forth should merge. Sounds messy. No, no, no. It'll be good. We can still have all the incisive news, views and opinions of Rampant Mumblings and Essential Mac along with, well, whatever Mac and Forth has to offer. Hmm. And what should we call this new monster? Uh, I mean venture. Well, it's still essentially an Apple-related show, so why not... How do you like those apples? Catchy, but does it essentially sum up what an apple show should be about? All right, how about get your apples here, an apple a day, chatty apple, happy pie, oh, oh, just apple. No, we essentially need something that is more apple related. Monkey tennis. Huh? No, no, no. We just need something essentially apple that lets people know we will essentially be discussing apple related things. You knuckleheads. Just call your new podcast the Essential Apple Podcast for when people have essentially run out of good podcasts to listen to. Should have gone with monkey tennis.